Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Digging In, a Missouri Farm Bureau's podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Hawkins, and uh, I am really elated to be joined by the newest team member uh, with Missouri Farm Bureau, Miss Emily Leroy. Many of you uh, will recognize Emily uh, when you see her in person or probably when you hear her voice. Uh, she really is no stranger to this organization and, and Emily joined uh, our team this week uh, here at the beginning of February as a senior advisor and will be an integral part of the legislative team and, and handle what we like to say other duties as assigned. And I say that with a huge smile, Emily. So Emily, welcome. Why don't you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you uh, for that introduction, Garrett. And I am so excited to be a part of the Missouri Farm Bureau team. As you said, I have been around Missouri Farm Bureau a long time. My family has been active um, throughout my childhood, and it's really, really second nature to be a part of this organization. And I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I was born on and raised in Argyle, Missouri, and lived on a row crop and cattle farm. And so grew up on a farm and having all of those wonderful opportunities as a child, like many of our listeners to be able to raise, be raised on a farm and know what that takes. And so all those agricultural values were instilled in me from a young age, had the opportunity to take part in many youth leadership organizations and have people invest in me um, through 4-H and FFA and Collegiate Farm Bureau and all the way through the line. So decided um, really in high school that ag was for me and didn't know if I would have an opportunity to return to a farm, um, but definitely wanted to stay engaged and knew that from an early age of how important it was to be able to advocate for agriculturalists so that way they can continue to do what they do every day of raising food and working on their farms while we in the legislative field and the policy field can hopefully help advocate and make their lives easier. So decided to go to the University of Missouri. Um, I obtained a degree in agricultural economics, emphasis in public policy, and just pursued that interest in agriculture and really politics and policy. And so that has taken me on a wonderful journey, had a lot of great internships. One, um, my first internship was actually at Missouri Farm Bureau with my supervisor, Mr. Garrett Hawkins. So I was a legislative intern there in 2010 and had the opportunity to go out to DC as well and intern with American Farm Bureau and learn a little bit about what they do and had several legislative internships along the way as well. So been really, um, just really blessed in a lot of ways to have people invest back in me. And so I'm happy to be a part of this organization. As you mentioned, I um, have recently come from the Missouri Department of Agriculture, spent seven years at the Department of Agriculture and started there as a legislative assistance and youth program coordinator, which was a really fantastic opportunity getting to work with some of the department's youth programs like the Missouri Agribusiness Academy and helping get some new programs off the ground as well. The Life Sciences Quest program was one that started during my time there, and that was where we were able to invest in in youth who had an interest in science, but maybe not a background in growing up on a farm in agriculture. So we did that for several years before moved to a different position with 
legislative liaison. So being able to work more intimately with legislative affairs and devoting more of my time and thoughts to policy development across the Department of Agriculture. And then just recently took on um, some budget duties there as well. So getting to help play a part in how state resources are managed and making sure that we're doing all we can for Missourians and, and managing the department well. So that's a little bit about me, but the most important thing is I live in Herman, Missouri now with my husband, Derek, and we have two little girls. Grace just turned four years old and Nora is eight months old. So um, there's, a, there's a pretty in-depth background for you. That's great, Emily. And it honestly, it ages me as you uh, recount all of your experience because it it doesn't seem like that long ago that you were an intern at, at Farm Bureau and and a collegiate Farm Bureau officer and then an intern at American Farm Bureau. I remember um, us doing the letter of support back in the day uh, for you to, um, at least for us to lend a voice as you applied for that position. So it's been fun to see you um, achieve so much, uh, both through college and now in your professional career. And as you've experienced the last couple of days, we could be more excited to have you on board here. Now, <clears throat> I'd like to talk just a little bit about Department of Ag because truly um, you have been there and have picked up some really great experience uh, at the department. And, and truly, until you've been on that side, until you've had the, the chance to be a public servant, so to speak, and, and to be within the executive branch, it certainly lends a different perspective. And so I'm just kind of curious, takeaways, Emily, as you transition out of the department, um, you know, as you think about the role of protecting and promoting agriculture that the department balances and now coming to Farm Bureau. What are, what are, your, what are your some thoughts as you reflect a little bit about those years? Absolutely. So one of the things that um, for me is the biggest takeaway as a Department of Agriculture team member is how mission-driven so many of those members of the organization are. They love agriculture just as much as Missouri Farm Bureau members, and many of them go home at night and take care of their farms or wake up in the morning and tour too. So it was really a fantastic team to be a part of and looking forward to working with many of them in the future. But the thing that many citizens may not know about the Missouri Department of Agriculture is how much we delve into consumer protection, especially in the weights and measures and consumer protection division. And there are so many programs across the department that are not only regulatory in nature that many listeners know about, such as animal health and protecting livestock from disease outbreaks across the state, but also just consumer protection and going into grocery stores and looking at scales and making sure that all of that is enabling fair commerce, which benefits both sellers and buyers. And there are so many things like that across the department that it's, the breadth is just really jaw dropping that what the department can do um, with, with such limited resources, quite frankly, and the efficiency with which they carry out those things. And so every, every week I was at the department, I learned something new and um, just really, really grateful for my time there and grateful to have that experience from a little bit of an executive branch administrative experience to see 
what it is like to be on the receiving end of legislation and needing to to develop policies and write regulations and be able to do so, you know, enabling um, enabling programs with the intent of the legislature, but also thinking through all of those details that which sometimes aren't vetted out in the legislative process and that you we have to do through rulemaking and learning the value of what it means when the devil's in the details. And so I think that's given me um, a little bit of a, a lot of experience that I will carry forward whenever I think of things through a Missouri Farm Bureau lens of what is it like for executive branch agencies on the receiving end of legislation to how do they enact these things? What feedback can we provide them and be really action oriented and specific with feedback? And so that is one of the biggest things that um, I'm really grateful for my executive branch experience there. Well, and honestly, this is one of many skill sets that you bring to the table now as a senior advisor at Farm Bureau, as we think about these things and the lens from which you are able to view issues. Uh, it certainly lends itself as we think about the legislative team and our efforts in the state capitol, as we work with policymakers on, on language to advance Farm Bureau priorities. Uh, it gives us another consideration to think, right, about if we're successful in getting a bill across the finish line and to the governor's desk and signing the law. We also have to think about the rulemaking aspect, right? In terms of the receiving agency, how they're going to interpret, uh, how they're going to develop the rules and ultimately implement. So that's certainly a breadth of knowledge that you bring to the table. Um, you are also during your time at the department though, <clears throat> running point at the Capitol, working directly with policymakers and helping explain the department's budget, um, explaining programs and why the department carries out uh, certain authorities in a certain way, right? And so I'm sure there are lessons that you've learned there uh, that you're gonna bring to, to Farm Bureau as well. Absolutely. Yep. There, and there's always more to learn, right? So it's just one of those things that it's really valuable to be able to, to walk in different shoes and to, um, to be able to work now directly, more directly, even with farmers every day and receive their feedback. I hope to really be able to, to carry that message and to, um, to carry their message in a very productive way and to serve somewhat as a, as a translator sometimes of what do farmers need to be able to go back to sometimes the executive branch or maybe legislative branch and make sure that we are advocating for our members in the best way that we can. And something that you will draw upon is the fact that you understand how Farm Bureau policy is developed because your family has been so engaged through the years and you experienced that as a collegiate member yourself when the opportunity was available to present resolutions to uh, the State Resolutions Committee. So you've experienced it and understand where these policies come from and that's really important. So like many of us do in, in Farm Bureau, uh, we take on additional responsibility and, and as you've are transitioning in, uh, you're also gonna help us run point in the Capitol uh, this session. Um, again, you're stepping out of one role at the department and stepping into here and, and helping us fill a need as one of our own, uh, BJ Tanksley uh, has now taken the reins of the Office of Broadband within the Department of, department of Economic Development, which again, we are excited about this opportunity for him and his knowledge of what the needs are across the state. And so obviously that left a void this session and, and really very pleased that you're gonna help us navigate uh, in what in many respects is finishing up 
business from, from last year. Now, something I'd really like to, to get your perspective on that I think would be valuable to our members. You know, we often uh, do as much as we can to support our Department of Agriculture and the issue in front of us last year and now again this year because they didn't get reauthorized or renewed would be tax credit programs within the Missouri Department of Agriculture. Now, mind you, Farm Bureau policy has long supported the tax credit programs and more specifically the Missouri Ag and Small Business Development Authority in which they're housed and administered. Um, but I'd like for you to maybe just scratch the, the surface about the programs that are truly on the table right now that are needing action from the Missouri General Assembly. Absolutely. So as, as you mentioned, there are several items that were left unfinished last year in the hustle and bustle at the end of session, but I'm happy to report that we have strong support from the General Assembly, especially on the House of Representatives. They've already passed a, an agriculture omnibus bill with a lot of really important ag legislation. And so that's House Bill 1720 filed by Representative Brad Pollitt. And so it's worth noting how quickly the House moved and the strong advocates that we have in the House to move that agriculture package out of the House over to the Senate already back on January 27th. That was the second bill to cross chambers over to the Senate right after congressional redistricting. So that is huge and really goes back to speak of the strong support that that the Missouri General Assembly has for agriculture and the acknowledgement of how important the agriculture industry is. And so a part of that package, like you mentioned, are some MASBITA tax credits, the Missouri Agricultural and Small Business Development Authority. We, we affectionately refer to as MASBITA. So MASBITA, I often tell people, it's like the like the financial arm, the banking arm of the Department of Agriculture. And so they have several different programs that are there to help farmers, lots of different tools in the toolbox, so to speak. But a few of those tax credits, um, specifically the new generation agricultural, the new generation cooperative incentive tax credit program and the agricultural product utilization contributor tax credit program, as well as the meat processing facility investment tax credit program expired at the end of 2021. So many tax credits in legislation have what we call a sunset date, and those are typically six years. And so at the end of December, those tax credits unfortunately expired. So the, the MASBITA can no longer um, provide those incentives to applicants. And so we, would, we know that the House has moved quickly and we look forward to working with the Senate to continue that work. But to delve in a little bit about what those programs really do, I'm gonna start with the New Generation Cooperative Incentive Tax Credit. And so what that program is really all about, it's about adding value to agricultural products and it aids rural economic development. It helps create and retain jobs. And so what does that mean? So it really invests, it provides a, an incentive for producers to invest in new generation cooperatives. So that means a cooperative, which is producer owned, or at least majority producer owned, that adds value to an agricultural commodity. So there are a lot of, um, we know that these programs were integral to picking up the ethanol industry and the biodiesel industry in Missouri. However, one of the most recent projects that were approved in 2021 was a peanut processing facility. And there's a lot of opportunity if there would be, for example, a meat processing facility that were cooperative owned in Missouri. And so anything that is an agricultural commodity 
could benefit from this cooperative structure. And so these tax credits would provide a 50% reimbursement rate to producers who invest in these co-ops. And so it's, it has a fantastic return on investment. These programs have been around for many years. We would love to see them continued. And again, it goes back to the heart of rural economic development and creating and retaining jobs for Missourians. And so part of that, so the way this works is Masvita has the ability to issue $6 million in tax credits for those programs. And if they are not able to, um, if there's not demand for all 6 million of those tax credits in that year, which is often the case, then they are able to use those funds to help do other things, such as fund value-added and farm-to-table grants. And so these value-added grants can help businesses with feasibility or marketing studies, legal assistance, and other planning activities that can really help new businesses expand and support entrepreneurship. And so some ways that these have been used in the past are to help pecan growers in Northwest Missouri expand or to help a meat processor decide, should I take the risk and go ahead and expand into the retail restaurant market in Kansas City? So it can help these small businesses really decide what makes sense for their business and then helping them along the way with that. So again, that all hinges on um, renewal from the General Assembly, and we would like to see these extended until 2028. The one other program that I'd like to quick, quickly mention is the Meat Processing Facility Investment Tax Credit Program. And so that provides reimbursement of eligible expenses to applicants for investing in meat, process, meat processing facilities. So that includes construction, improvement, and um, really facilities that are exclusively used for meat processing. So it could be storage. Um, it can be for, you know, literally cutting equipment. So there's a quite a breadth of things that it can be used for. And we all know how important that is and the impact that we saw to our food supply chains due to COVID. And so again, what a time for, for this to expire, but we would like to get it up and running quickly to continue to support our meat processors across Missouri. And since this program was enacted in 2018, there's been over $3.4 million in tax credits to support meat processors, and that leveraged over $27 million in investments. So the ROI is there. We appreciate the legislature's support. We look forward to crossing this off the to-do list before the end of the, the legislative session. That was a really great refresher, Emily. I mean, Farm Bureau policy has long supported this, as you described, the financial arm of the department and, and the work it does, not only within production agriculture, but within our communities. But sometimes we need to be reminded uh, of how to tell the story, right? I mean, we know we support the programs, but the why is so important, which is exactly why I wanted uh, you to help all of us uh, listening to this podcast to to be refreshed as to truly the the impact of, and what's at stake um, the longer these programs sit um, and the need to get them done. So so that was really really helpful. You know, as we think about you know other exciting opportunities, I'm just curious, Emily, what what most excites you about being at Farm Bureau as you as you look ahead? Wow. The thing that most excites me is honestly getting to be boots on the ground and interacting with members across the state, hearing the issues firsthand from you, what what excites you, what what do we need to work on, and being able to, to attend some of those meetings and meet individuals across our state who support 
the ag industry and, uh, and who feed people. And so that, that is at the heart of it, Garrett. Of I, um, for a long time, I've had a, a passion for ag and love to hear from farmers and advocating for them. And there's really no better way to, to get fired up and to do that than meeting with members. Well, you say fired up. It's not quite fired up Friday, but we're almost, we're almost there as we record this podcast, but I will have to note, uh, it was pretty cool on day one for you. You were in the office for about 15 minutes and then headed to the Capitol to meet uh, members who had traveled in to take part in Capitol Connection. And as they made the rounds uh, with legislative leaders. So pretty cool that day one for you uh, was spent interacting with and leading uh, grassroots members around the Capitol. Uh, I saw the smile on your face that day. So it looked, it certainly looked like you were having a lot of fun. It was, it was a very fitting way to kick it off and um, a great way to start my first day. So like, like you said, being able to be with those members and bringing them around to meet with, with their representatives and senators was a cup filling day and something I look forward to doing every Tuesday with the Capital Connections program. Um, it was, it was really a fantastic way to kick off my time with Farm Bureau and, for all members who are listening, there is really no substitute for you going to the Capitol or picking up the phone and calling your legislators that they take that to heart. And so having strong advocates for, for Farm Bureau in the Capitol every day to monitor legislation, it is important, but being able to have that firsthand member interaction, there is absolutely no substitute for. So we really appreciate everybody who takes time out of their day to be able to go to the Capitol for those Capitol Connection meetings. So that's a great pitch and that'll help wind this podcast down, Emily. So a reminder to our members, if you to our county leaders, if you are interested in taking part in Capitol Connection, all you need to do is work through your regional coordinator um, to help make that happen. And Emily mentioned, you know, she's boots on the ground in the Capitol, uh, helping with Capitol Connection. We also have a fantastic intern, uh, college intern for this semester, Mr. Jacob Knabel from Osage County, who is running point on helping get meetings scheduled and then also helping assist on the day of Capitol Connection. But truly, there is no substitute for, for coming to the Capitol and seeing lawmakers in person. And frankly, they enjoy it. They want to see their constituents. And certainly after all that we've been through the last couple of years, seeing more constituents in the Capitol um, certainly goes a long way. And, you know, as we think about the schedule for this month, we have legislative briefing coming up here uh, towards the end of February. Make sure that you are making your reservations and holding a spot for that briefing. We'll cover a lot of state issues and hear from state leaders. It'll be a great time um, to, to just fellowship with your fellow Farm Bureau members. So, so be on the lookout. Uh, talk to your county uh, customer service representative, your county president, or your regional coordinator, and, or look online for, for information at mofb.org. But we certainly look forward to, to seeing you all legislative briefing, I'd say. And as another incentive, you will have the chance to meet Emily Leroy in person by taking advantage of Capital Connection 
or legislative briefing, preferably both though. Uh, but again, uh, hopefully you listen to the podcast with Dan Ingeman, our new director of regulatory affairs. If you haven't, please take a listen there. There is a lot of excitement uh, within your team Farm Bureau, and we are just so humbled and proud to be able to serve you and appreciate what you do every day uh, to be the voice of agriculture. So Emily, anything to say before we sign off? Just want to say again that I'm grateful to be here and to get to meet all the members. And so let's let's do all that we can this legislative session and continue to advocate on behalf of agriculture and, and our members. Thanks for having me. You bet, Emily. And uh, in the meantime, everybody, keep thinking big, doing good, and let's keep the faith. Take care. Mm-hmm.